London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. We talk sports with you for the next couple of hours. Appreciate uh, you spending some of your morning here with Trent and myself. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Bottom of the hour, uh, one of our early conversations early in the basketball season with a guy we're going to have on a lot, Rob Doster, from the Field of 68. That's his new podcast, National uh, College Basketball Guy. He will join us at uh, 1030. We'll go around college basketball. Of course, we'll take a peek at what's going on tonight at Carver Hawkeye Arena. It's Actually, a really good night of college basketball. If you're a fan of that sport, it starts early, 4 o'clock. Kansas and Creighton. We've got Illinois and Duke on the docket. Uh, what else do we have? I'm missing a couple of them. Yeah, a couple of uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge games, but you mentioned the headliners. And excited to see that Creighton team who got off to a slow start, didn't play the games that they are originally scheduled to play, and uh, now get their chance against Kansas, a Kansas team that... I don't think either of us have been overly impressed right. by and struggled. What was it, Saturday against North Dakota State? Uh-huh. I flipped on the ESPN3, ESPN Plus uh, right at the end of the game because I saw it was close on Twitter by the time I got to it and got it up. Game was over. But they won by five against the Bison. I don't remember, but it was close. Yeah, yeah it was went close. down to the wire in that one. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see just how good this Creighton team. A lot of t- people really like mm-hmm. them. Uh, preseason top ten by a lot of different publications. But here... That'll get a little bit at 4 o'clock. The headliner, 6.30, Iowa, their first big opportunity against Carolina. No doubt about it. Trent, there's a few of the Blue Bloods. Kentucky, mm-hmm. Duke. Kentucky's 1-3. and three. I know, and, and Duke's not that good. No. Um, and Kansas, so we don't know about those three. But as Blue Bloods normally are, even though they may struggle early when it uh, when it counts, they're playing their best basketball. So we'll do that with Rob Doster. Our friend Eric Heft is going to join us to lead off our number two. Longtime analyst for uh, Iowa State football and men's basketball. He will join us. We'll cover a lot of ground with Eric. Looking forward to speaking with him. And then Zuba Mahente uh, at 11.25. We will go around the world of sports with Zubin. Well, credit where credit is due. You had a really good show yesterday. Put a couple of things out there. Uh, I thought that maybe Tulsa and Cincinnati wouldn't be mm-hmm. uh, too eager to play back-to-back weeks, and all of a sudden, Cincinnati's got issues, and they have now canceled uh, the game that was supposed to take place this weekend. Of course, they were going to play back-to-back weeks. Cincinnati, Tulsa scheduled to play Saturday, canceled. The following Saturday, they'll play for an AAC championship. So, it makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's going to happen. If the game is now canceled. And if it's a decently game, decently tight game where Cincinnati wins it 27-17, Tulsa maybe still sticks around in the top 25 because that's a metric that is very important to the selection committee. Now, why the cutoff is 25 and if it's team's 26, so we can argue the merits of it, but we know that is something that they mm-hmm. continually talk about and they look at is a top 25 victory. Now, do they manipulate the bottom of those rankings to mm. help out their case? I think that's something also that we could probably discuss. Was that maybe a part of the re- Iowa State's jump into the single digits to nine because the Raging Cajuns are ranked? Oh, absolutely. It, it, yeah. it certainly didn't hurt, right? So, um, 
Yeah, good call on that. But your best call, I thought, was the uh, the Mr. Monday Night, who went one and one, but the one that you did win, uh, the money line for Washington. Fun football game. I don't know. I mean, look, that Washington's got a really good defense, Trent. Mm-hmm. They really and truly do. And this Pittsburgh team, they got some holes. They got some issues. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 51 times. I think that's back-to-back weeks he's thrown right around 50 passes each game. James Conner didn't play. He's got COVID issues, but they're struggling to run the football. Uh, and, and now with not only a Bud Dupree out, but Bush is out, they've got a couple of those speedy linebackers uh, that won't be able to answer the bell for the remainder of the season. So the Steelers now find uh, they suffer their first loss of the year, and I don't think it's their last loss of the year because down the stretch, they got Buffalo. Mm. Have fun with them. Yeah. They've got Cleveland. All of a sudden, this Cleveland team that you weren't sure maybe where they fit into the equation, but to where I started, nice call on Washington. Thank you. It just it was one of those feelings that you get from time to time. Washington's not great, no. but they're okay. They're no. a defense is solid. They right? are a professional football team, as their mm-hmm. nickname dictates. They are a football team, a real football team mm-hmm. that has a defense that has a competent quarterback now in Alex Smith. Yep. And that story, better story than he is a quarterback at yes. this point. When he was bleeding, though, uh, from his left foot, yeah, with the yeah. cleating, yeah. Now I just saw a still picture of it yeah. at first, and my mind went a million different places. Well, you thought that was the issue, of the the, of the leg that had yes. the knee issue, right? I, did something happen? Yeah. That, it's probably idiotic. I'm no doctor, right? I went to college <laughs> no, a long time, but right, I'm not you, close to a doctor. You weren't alone. I I looked at it and I just what what could it possibly be? And <laughs> and then. Like a tweet or two later, I see he was cleated. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then very quickly. But for that fleeting moment, kind of is. Mm-hmm. No, I did, get it. did it open up? Is there a wound there that I just, I, I don't know. It was one of those, I don't know, almost surreal moments mm-hmm. as I, as I, that popped up on the Twitter feed last night. But got into the game in the second half. It was, it was a fun game. It was. It was, yep. uh, Washington, how they're doing it. Now they got a real chance of, of winning this division. Yeah. And then with the Giants. Those you know, two. The laughing stock that it was just two weeks ago, Thanksgiving really, to what it is now. You're the five seed. You're Tampa. You mm. excited about going and playing that Giants defense the way they're playing? Or that Washington defense. You want to play that Washington playing. defense no. in round one and have to do it. It's a road trip. Yeah, there's not going to be fans in the stands, but still. Right. You're real excited because before it felt, boy, I mean, you coasted to that one and then you're you're taking your shot against whoever's the one seed. Now, it's not that easy one I, getting by. I hope whoever wins the division finds a way to get the eight. It just looks better. Right? I hope they're. I, I. I like. You want seven and nine? I get a kick out of the. Yeah. I well, wanted five and eleven. Well, that's not. That's off happen. the table now. It, it is indeed off the table. So fun game yesterday, but uh, the nightcap uh, was was a um, look. If you're a Bills fan, Trent, you've got to. You had a lot of awful Sundays, <laughs> and as a Bronco fan, Decades I kind of know what you're what oh, you were going. Stop. No, not anymore, not anymore. We've won three, but prior to that, we'd lost three. Okay, three, so you lost three, but still, you were a competent organization. Buffalo has been Buffalo. terrible for two decades, Trent. But no, where I'm going, I don't know. You misunderstood me. I know what Buffalo fans were going through in the '90s because ah, as a Broncos the 90s. fan, okay. I, I lived that. It was terrible. I thought you were saying no, because Doug Williams trying to have nightmares about Timmy Smith. <laughs> Timmy Smith, I do. Who is that? Guy. Off the scrap heap. Couldn't, couldn't tackle him. And it's 10 nothing after the first quarter. Finally. Elway's going to get a Super Bowl. Was it 45 17 final? It was awful. I don't know what it was. It got worse when they went to New Orleans and took on Jerry Rice and company. That was 55 10. Uh, but, anyways, but the Bills, who had an awful lot of terrible Sundays, 
They've got a quarterback. They've got a chance. This is a good football team. They might be. Take the Chiefs out of the equation. Mm-hmm. They're the best team in the AFC. They are alone on their own rung. Who's the second best team in the AFC? I don't think it's Pittsburgh. I don't think it is either. Not with the way that they uh-huh. are struggling to run the football. Might it, it be the Bills? They can run the ball. They can catch the ball. How about Cleveland? We're talking about Cleveland and Buffalo here. Which quarterback do you like better? Oh, Josh Allen. So I do by, by a long yeah, ways. I, I mean, yeah. that, that gap's pretty significant, mm-hmm. I think, between those two guys. Mm-hmm. And this is one dead wrong. Dead wrong about Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I thought Josh Allen was going to stink. I thought he was going to be J.P. Lossman. I thought he was but going with to be... a better arm. Oh, sure, but he, he was going to be terrible. Yeah. Where did he get drafted? 19? No, he's early 20s. For last 21, 21, something like that, I think, yeah. I thought he was going to be one of those guys. Christian Ponder. I mean, yeah. he was just, he was going to be a bust. Yeah. He was going to be awful. And here we are, a guy that has the physical tools that was always there. Mm-hmm. But looking at the game against Iowa, he made a couple of throws, but he struggled. Yep. But most importantly, that game against Oregon, his other power conference opponent, he was awful yep. in that game. Are Speed you, was too much. You got two times where you take on Power 5 teams, mm-hmm. and you were awful in both games. <laughs> it's true. And this guy is going to become an NFL yeah. quarterback. This guy is going to go to Buffalo, and he's going to be the guy that's going to reclaim this organization that hadn't been to the playoffs in 20 years. Right. Where Come was on. he drafted? 10? Something like that. Yeah, 9, something, 10? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, look, at I, I was convinced he was going to be a Bronco. Elway was following him around. He went to his final game in Wyoming, followed him to the bowl game. That year, Denver stunk, and they, they represented the... AFC coach, the Broncos coaches coached the one of the teams in the Shrine Bowl. Oh, okay, and all accounts were that uh, that Josh Allen was going to be the guy that Elway just was in love with his arm. But they drafted five, and he couldn't pull the trigger. They got Bradley Chubb, who's a nice player, but mm-hmm. he's not a quarterback. Look, Josh Allen. I don't know where you rank him right now as far as you take the quarterbacks. I don't know what the age is twenty six and under, twenty eight and under, whatever you want. Um, he's on he's on the list, and the arrow. Beside his name, it's pointing up. Pointing he up. Put him in the MVP com- conversation. Well, I've never thought of that, but look what he's doing for that team. I told you yesterday that I heard Baker being thrown in there, and it drove me nuts. Yeah. I'd at least listen to Josh Allen a lot more uh, than yeah. Baker Mayfield yeah. and, and the performance that well, he put look, together. Look, Baker Mayfield's defense yes. is leading that football team. And the run game. And the running game, true. I mean, a run game with two yeah. excellent running backs, an offensive line graded as the mm-hmm. best. Both pro football focus has them the best rushing offensive line, and the best pass-blocking wow. offensive line. It's a pretty good combo, huh? Yeah, I'll say. Hey, Chicago Bears, are you listening? Really? Minnesota Vikings, this is how you build a football team. Boy, I thought Kirk Cousins was going to get killed this yes. week. The Jacksonville Jaguars. As good as they Whoa. had been looking yeah, recently. really, right? How does that happen? I don't know. In Jacksonville, I mean, they don't have world beaters. No, not at all. And they were in the backfield. Kirk Cousins was running for his life. I don't know how the Vikings won on Sunday. I really don't. That is a game that in the past they normally lose. Mm-hmm. They found a way. And just think if they got that Cowboys game back. Yeah. I mean, they or would be. Atlanta. Yeah. That was I mean, different. I mean, that was at the beginning of the season. Right. Where... The Seattle game. Yeah. That was uh, that was a punch in the you know what. Uh, look, they were never going to be the best team in the North. That but that's the uh, obviously the Green Bay Packers. So, anyways, that's the football from last night. It was good. It was fun. It was nice to see. Do you think that that we may at some point does the NFL enjoy two back to back games on Monday night instead right. of that standalone? Could you see two Mondays and Thursday go away? I don't think Thursday will go you away. Like, that, it, that is it's a, too much of a moneymaker? It is, yeah. yeah. That, that's a huge. Now, we continue to hear ABC wants to get involved. Of course, right. 
connected to ESPN, but they want to get involved with some kind of package. Mm-hmm. And what would be a package that would make the most sense? Is it a separate Monday night game? Is it that Sunday night package that NBC currently mm-hmm. has? There's going to be bidding, and most people inside the industry, I heard James Andrew Miller, who wrote the huge book on ESPN here over, what was it, about five years ago, yep. uh, and has, still has tons of connections inside the building there. That they can't have tons because a lot of them have left. Right, right. <laughs> and, and most of them have left not even by their own doing. But he believes that, I mean, they are going to do everything possible to make that happen. And uh-huh. as we see the layoffs that continue to happen, and they happen at a level that is a lot on the journalistic side. Wayne Drace. Yeah. Who, Good writer. Know. Yeah. Good writer. Knew him a little bit at the University of Iowa. Did you? Yeah. Uh, one of my buddies worked for the paper, uh, Versace, and so got to meet him out at the bar a couple of times. Really, Just a really nice guy and interviewed him here and there. Remember the Cubs run in 2015 talking to yeah. him and just a really good guy. But that, that was his first job out of college. Hmm. You get a job at ESPN and he went everywhere in the world yeah, he did. covering it. But those journalistic side... Including Applington Parkersburg. Yes. Ivan Maisel, no longer with him. The journalists are going away. What ESPN is really thriving to do is about the opinion part of it. And about connection, of course, to the games. is that the direction they're going? The games that... Okay, we're going to get more rights, even more, and uh-huh. NFL being the biggest part of that. They've got every bowl game this year but one. Really? Every Because the Sun Bowl is Sun off. Bowl's off. And that was a uh, CBS was the, entity. And there was the um, the game in San Francisco that was, first of all, was named after a peanut or a <laughs> yes, cashew the, or something. The Emerald Nut Bowl. The Emerald Nut Bowl, <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, that one, the Sun Bowl, and the one that they... The only one they don't have this year is one of the I think it's the Arizona Bowl. Yeah, the what it's like Conference USA against Sunbelt or something like that. And CBS Sports Network tw- has it. Yes, yeah, CBS Sports Network. I th- although I think this year it's Pac-12 because Pac-12's only got like three bowls. Yeah, I saw that. Like five of their bowls have been uh-huh. canceled so far that they have right. tie-ins too. I'm, I'm so intrigued to see how this is going to work Me too. too. The selection process. When are they going to do it, Trent? There's games. Isn't there a bowl game the day after? There or the is. day of selection of 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 the well, uh, the twentieth of December mm-hmm. when they announce the playoff teams. I think there's a bowl that day. Stuart Mandel put his bowl games out today uh, at the Athletic. Uh, did you see what? Uh, I didn't know. So he's got Iowa in the outback. Back to the outback. Back huh? to the outback. You know, it was a pretty good year. Not great, but pretty good year. If I was going back yeah. to the outback bowl. against Missouri. Uh, Iowa State. He does not. He's got Oklahoma beating the clones. Okay. And and what did you say? You find was last week about this time. You reached out to your friend Chris Andrews. Yes. Who's the line maker at the South Point? They take a lot of big bets. They yes. take a ton of big bets. Of course, that's where Vissen is headquartered. That's Musburger's Endeavor, and they're making a huge, huge impact. And Chris Andrews said that. Now, this was last week mm-hmm. that he thought that Oklahoma would be favored seven over Iowa State when the yep. line comes out. So you and I were conversing during a commercial break last week. You said seven. I had six and a half. So I went to the man that actually does it. Mm-hmm. And Chris said it's at seven. And I uh, reached out to him after the game Saturday. Still at seven is where Still he would seven. have it. It'll okay. be seven unless something crazy maybe happens against West Virginia this week. Mm-hmm. Seven more than likely is going to be that number he's going to hang for the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma. Favored by seven. Right. Just uh, to get that out there. But yeah, Oklahoma favored by seven. Seems about right. Right kind of number yeah, there. I think so. It's a brand. It's a brand. And, yes. Uh, tough to beat the same team twice. but mm-hmm. um, And they're playing a lot better when from when Iowa State saw them. Yeah, there's no question about that. They're playing a whole lot better. So we'll see. I can't remember where I was going. I'm having a senior moment. That happens. And I was headed down, I thought, to a pretty scintillating Oh, bull, bull tie oh, yeah, for Iowa State. Oh, yeah, I didn't State. get Iowa State's yeah. bull. Um, Alamo. 
Colorado. It's taking on CU. Yeah, yeah look, I think... Uh, on this season? Yeah. Boy, that feels pretty lackluster. It, it does, right? But here's the thing. I guess if they're... If, if you... You're so inclined. Texas is one of those states that's, come on down. We're, <laughs> right, op- we're <yeah>. open. <laughs> you want to go to the game? If you're ready for a trip. Right. Uh, so there'll be, I would assume, fans in the stands at the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, they're going to take on Colorado. Colorado's got a tough game this week. I don't remember who it's against. Uh, but I thought potentially they could trip up. And they're unbeaten. It's a great story. they got a safety-playing quarterback. they got a first-year coach who got the job very late in the game. they got Utah, Friday night. Utah. Oh, Friday night, right, uh, 8.30. Yes. Late game, right? Yeah, 8.30, right. We also get uh, Arizona State, Arizona, uh-huh. the lead-in to that one. And that's something I also mentioned to you yesterday that didn't happen, is the possibility of the yes. Pac-12 seeing Colorado if they're undefeated against USC. They said, no, not only that, USC will get the bid. Even though they were the team that they had to cancel canceled the game, right? Colorado did everything. Right. That's the part that doesn't sit real well with mm-hmm. me. And I get it's a pandemic, right? It's a virus. Yes, you can't punish somebody, a team for getting a virus. But can you punish a team for getting? <laughs> well, Colorado. Maybe, maybe it makes me a bad person. I don't know. No, but look, it, Colorado was going to play. They they were good to play. Yes. I, I'm with you, Trent. I I was surprised when I saw that too. Now this Saturday we do get the maybe the best game when it comes to uniforms. UCLA oh, USC yeah. and when they both wear their home uniform. And I have to assume they're going yes. to right. That, that costs the team a timeout. The visiting team. Now I didn't know that. Yes. Is that a fact? Yes, because they are not wearing the jersey that they're supposed to. Is that right? when they first did this for the first time? Was it probably four years ago? I think three, four years ago they did it for the first time since I want to say the '60s or '70s, and the timeout. Since then, I don't know if they've done that or if the officials just were going to miss this. Yeah, well, it was. It's it, a first half timeout, right? It's it, it, well, true. Um, so does Chip Kelly decline the penalty this year, right? Because it's USC's the road team. I don't know if that's one that you can decline or if it's automatic taken okay. off beforehand. But regardless, it, it is. You're right. A it's beautiful, spectacular. Look. The USC, the the mm-hmm. garnet and gold against those light blue. And if you're a Directv subscriber, you're not going to be able to see it on your television. On your television, right? Or you can watch it on the ABC app or ESPN I Plus guess. app. If you're, if you're you got watch, that, you have that. Do I? Oh, I've got the ESPN Plus, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know, but it's a pain right. flipping over there. Got to go to a different source inside your TV. Go to the input channels. Flip over there. It is a pain. You're absolutely right. Uh, so maybe, maybe fingers crossed, something good will come of that uh, prior to getting to that point. All right. So real quick, UNC. I have not seen them play this year. Trent, full disclosure, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and BS my way through it. I haven't seen them play. I know last year that they stunk. And I've seen Iowa play, and I think they're pretty good. Um, what What do we expect tonight? There is potentially some news regarding North Carolina. Garrison Brooks, one of their bigs, and they play two of them. Uh, and they're three men. you got some size to them, yeah. too. Yep. But Brooks is 6'10". Uh, and he is questionable, and I thought I saw yesterday that he's not going to play. So what? from what I read yesterday, he's out to today. He's back maybe improved to questionable. We'll find out at 6.30. 
uh, but what you've seen North Carolina play? Maybe you, did you see the Texas game? Uh, see that, seen that a couple of different times. Yeah, the Texas game I watched uh, quite a bit of that. The Stanford game, the game before when they were playing in Nashville, saw a lot of that one. As I uh, got a backdoor cover out of Stanford on that, so nice. like that plus four and a half. But yeah, I've seen them a couple of different times. Watched a few minutes of the UCLA or UNLV game, the first one that they played in Nashville. So I've seen quite a bit of Carolina, and the reason because I knew this game was coming. Last year was not a vintage Carolina team. They were oh, bad. by a long ways. They, they were really, really bad. But this team is big. They are physical. And the thing probably they do best more than anything is the offensive rebound. Because mm. they got some chuckers that mm-hmm. aren't hitting shots. Well, yeah, they got some. the backcourt is young. It is. And they're not shooting the ball incredibly well. Like the point guard, like the freshman that they have. Uh, R.J. Davis is a nice mm-hmm. player. They have some dudes there. But I think more than anything... Iowa, this is a game where you have to get on the boards, something I was not very good at. When you look at any metric, you look at last year's metrics, this is probably one of the biggest weak points of the Iowa team is what they do against offensive rebounds. So have to be on the boards. That's not just Garza. Everybody's going to have to chip in. And if it's a game where they play a lot of Connor at the four, it means everybody's going to have to be going to the boards. That means everybody's going to have to be out there. I think it's pretty simple in Carolina. They shoot the ball well. They're going to be right in it. They have not done that to this point. But they can hit the threes, get out in transition. That's what they love to do. That secondary break, that Roy boy, it is a thing of beauty. I love I love watching Kansas because I love watching secondary breaks. Same thing with Carolina and Roy Williams. I always got to get back defensively. We know this is not a great defensive team, right. but you have to rebound and you have to get back against a team like this. What's uh, the Hawks' your favorite? What, a handful? Four. Four? Yeah, I saw, I think there was a three and a half that popped early yesterday. There was a four and a half. I jumped on that. I grabbed Carolina in the four and a half. Did you? Not sure. Haven't looked uh, lately here this morning since oh, probably about seven thirty or so. So you think this is a go either way is. basketball? Game. Yeah, I think this is going to be tight down to the mm-hmm. wire and make a play late. Luca's going to have to pass the ball. They because of the guys that they have either one on one or what they're going to do with a couple of bigs throwing at him. He's going to have to pass the ball. This game, Luca has four or five assists. They win the game. Mm-hmm. I think they win it pretty handily. If you were setting an, uh, a Garza total number, what would you do against this crew? 22 and a half. Wow. Yeah. Just is, because of the This size? isn't Southern. No. No, I know. It's by long way. The Leathernecks are not walking in here. This is a Carolina <laughs> For team. For their first game of the with year. With bigs, yeah. Bocott, Brooks, even if he can't go, as sharp as another freshman, 6'11", the guy, they have waves of bigs that they can throw. Also, does Jack Nungy play a lot in this game. Well, and does he play a lot uh, at the same time Luca Garza's on the floor? Yes. They did that. Yeah, they that did. was the one thing I wanted to see against yeah. Western. How much is he... I liked it. I liked it when they were both on the floor, Trent. Because Nunji was played really well. Mm, sure was. You know, if he keeps playing like that, yeah, play him together all you want. he finished with 18, something yeah. like that? And and coming back like he did oh, after his father's story. death, it, it really and then was. to sit in front of the media, mm-hmm. the Zoom, I guess, and answer the questions. Uh, good for him. That's gotten it out. I felt for him. I think a lot of people did. All right. uh, We will talk uh, when we come back. We're going to get into college basketball on a national scale. Our friend Rob Doster, Field of 68 is his podcast. How does he monetize it? I mean, I've often wondered this, Trent. There's a million people podcasting out Mm -hmm. there now. Commercials, just like you do with radio. It's got to be a tough sell. It's not. You don't think it is? No, because you can actually show real numbers. This is how many downloads we have. This is how many listeners that we have. They are finite numbers that you can put down and say this is exactly what it is and the demographics are right there because everybody when you click on a podcast on your phone Mm -hmm. they know your male female Mm -hmm. age white black whatever it may be Mm -hmm. all those demographics are right there so you can sell it you can 
at targeting advertising in a lot better sense. Hmm. And that's the reason that it's been incredibly good and incredibly profitable. Now, speaking of ESPN, as we were talking earlier, Dan Lebitard, his uh, last day will be, what, January 4th? Sometime in January, yeah. And it's that same conversation I heard with James Andrew Miller. He mentioned the podcast realm. They are salivating at getting him on there. Huh. Money's there. And money is there with these big podcast networks okay. put together. Uh, so those folks, they'll do okay. But yeah. what about like podcasters here? In, in there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Clover's podcast, yeah, for, yeah. for instance. What's his What's his called again? The walk on, washed up, washed on, walk up, walk ons. Yeah, right. Or um, all the all the cyclone fanatic ones. Mm-hmm. How do they monetize those? Same thing. You go out and sell advertising. So you knock on Casey's door and I got mm-hmm. 100 people listening to but this But there's pod- a lot more than 100 people that listen to these. Really? Yeah. We have more people that listen to our podcast than 100. That surprises me. Yeah. And it's a live radio show. Well, that part I knew. Yeah. <laughs> You're part of that yeah, one. Yeah, I am. 1025, Miller and Condon will be uh, joined by Rob Doster next. He will join us, Eric Heft at 1105. Uh, Zuba Mahanti, our friend from uh, ESPN. We've got some sound coming up, our cut of the day, too. I'm going to go back down, uh, down memory lane 40 years ago. Um, well, we'll tell you about that right before 11. Miller and Condon are here until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. To learn more. Condon Tuesday radio program. We welcome you back. Trent and I take you until noon. Uh, Eric Heft, color analyst for Iowa State football and men's basketball, 11.05. And then our friend Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Rob Doster, college basketball on a national perspective, a field of 68. That's where you can find Rob Doster and a cast, literally, of dozens and big names. Uh, Rob Doster joins us. Rob Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. So how's it going, the new venture, Rob? You've certainly... Uh, assembled quite a cast of college basketball minds to opine on Field of 68. How's it going over there? Oh, it, it's going. There's not a lot of sleep in this house, but uh, but but we're figuring things out step by step. You know, we're we're, uh, we're trying to make it work. Well, I think you are so far. I've seen some of them. I mean, grabbing Tim Miles, um, he's certainly an entertaining dude. You've had some big names. So did you reach out to them? Did they come to you? How did this come together? I'm fascinated by this. So the the big thing was that um, that I'm working with Jeff Goodman on this, and Jeff Goodman knows every single person on the planet that is even tangentially involved in basketball. It's it's ridiculous how many people he knows. Um, so we just kind of took advantage of. Uh, I, I mean, you can't even really call it a Rolodex anymore, can you? Like that, we took advantage of the context that he has in his uh, in his iPhone. So. Um, and we were able to reach out to these guys and just kind of say, hey, look, this is the project we're doing. If you're interested, let us know. And if you're not, then we'll move on. And uh, we managed to, to scrape together enough people that were interested in this that we could put together something of a network. And, um, you know, it, it's going well. It's going. It's probably better than I expected, um, at least from the jump. So we'll see if we can uh, keep growing this thing. We'll see if college basketball season continues. We'll see where we'll go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for now, it's, it's, I'm pretty happy with where we are. Well, let's get into uh, let's get into some. Obviously, tonight a lot of eyes focused on Carver Hawkeye. Uh, North Carolina will be here against the Hawks. Um, North Carolina, what about a four and a half? I was a four and a half, five point favorite somewhere around there. Garrison Brooks is questionable for this game. 
I saw yesterday that he was doubtful, but now today's questionable. He's a good player. Uh, what have you seen uh, North Carolina? I'm sure you have. And what kind of problems will they pose for Fran McCaffrey's Hawkeyes tonight, Rob? Well, I, you know, I'm starting to think that Garrison Brooks might end up being playing because uh, might end up playing because I, I was just checking the line when uh, when I was getting on here, and it's dropped down to minus three, and it just dropped down to minus three like in the last hour or so, which probably means that. Someone has some kind of uh, take on whether or not Garrison Brooks is going to be available. But even if he is there, I really like Iowa in this spot. Um, and the reason for that is, one, we know how good Luka Garza is. We've seen him go up against some of the biggest players in the country because every single team in the Big Ten has someone that's like six foot ten and 250 pounds, just kind of the way that they play um, in the Big Ten. So I'm not worried about him um, in those matchups. Uh, but um, I, I think that the key to beating Iowa is to, for one, is get to the offensive glass, and that's absolutely going to be something that, that Iowa will need to focus on against this North Carolina team. Like North Carolina is built around the idea that they can get offensive rebounds. Um, but the other part of it is that like, to, to take down Iowa, you really have to have uh, guards that can penetrate, people that can put Luca Garza into ball screens and take advantage of how um, kind of slow footed he is, and some of the question marks that he has defensively on that end. And you have to have big athletic wings that are going to be able to to get to the rim and take advantage of the fact that you know Iowa does not have big athletic wings on their roster. And to be frank, like North Carolina just doesn't have those pieces. Then you throw in the fact that the ACC preseason Player of the Year and Garrison Brooks may or may not uh, actually be available to play in this game. And it becomes a very different conversation for North Carolina. So I, I like Iowa in this spot. Um, I like them to cover three. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how that ends up going. Um, it is definitely going to be a big test. You know, Luca is putting up some ridiculous numbers. I think he's in back-to-back games. He's outscored the other team himself in the first half, which is just like an insane stat on its own. Uh, but you know, he's going to have. This is going to be the first real test that we see for Iowa this year. And. You know, there's a lot of people, myself included, that think that Iowa is a little bit overrated heading into the season. Uh, but I do think that North Carolina is a good matchup for them, at least on paper. Tell us a little bit more about the two freshman guards, Caleb Love, 6'4", 195, and R.J. Davis. Guys that have not shot the ball incredibly well. Carolina as a whole from deep has not shot it well. But what can you tell us about those guys when you're looking at the matchups against Bohannon and Frederick? and Tucson off the bench and those kind of players, what kind of challenges they'd have with Love and Davis? Uh, well, see, Caleb Love is a guy that is um, the more highly touted and highly rated and probably better of the two of them, even though his numbers have not been great. He's more of the typical North Carolina point guard. You know, what, what, what Roy Williams really wants out of his lead guard spot is someone that can get out and push the pace, someone that is, is, is score first, someone that's going to be able to make shots, uh, you know, someone like a Joel Berry, someone like a Kobe White. Um, in theory, he wants someone like a Cole Anthony, even though Cole Anthony didn't really have the greatest season for them. And Caleb Love kind of fits that role. Now, R.J. Davis is a little bit more of a guy that will play off the ball. Uh, he had a reputation in high school of being someone that could be like a high-volume, knockdown perimeter shooter. Um, he hasn't quite been that guy. Like, he's been a little bit more of a, um, uh, off the bounce guy, but like it, shooting is what he does. So um, that's definitely going to be something that, that Iowa has to uh, keep in mind. And like if, if this is a game where Caleb Love comes out and, and has his breakout performance, like that's not going to be a good thing for Iowa. 
because that's like he is the exact kind of player that you don't want uh, to see if you are an Iowa fan because you know big athletic lead guard that can get to the rim that can create off the bounce like that's that's exactly what they struggle with you know, they don't have I don't think I'm really breaking news here when I say that Iowa does not have great perimeter defenders on their roster so um, so I mean I guess uh, I, I guess we'll kind of see how that ends up playing out but I mean based on what we've seen from Caleb Love early on uh, this season I don't I, I don't have reason to believe that he's going to be the guy that some people like he's He's, he's projected as like a preseason top 10 pick, and he hasn't quite been that guy yet. Now, he could get there. It's a freshman. It's early in the season. Uh, the adjustment is never going to be easy, especially you know in the COVID era, but um, we just haven't seen him be that guy yet. Rob Dosterfield is 68 is our guest. Well, Rob, I was uh, when we uh, figured out you were going to be able to join us here today, I wanted to talk to you about a game that didn't happen. Um, it was supposed <laughs> to happen this past Saturday, Baylor and Gonzaga. I know you like the fire. You live in New Jersey. It's legal there, obviously. You're very uh, in touch with the game. Who did you like, Gonzaga or Baylor, and why? I liked, uh, well, <laughs> If we're assuming that Jalen Suggs is 100% healthy, then I like Gonzaga in every single game that they play the rest of the year. I think that they are uh, they have a chance to be uh, to be special this season. Um, if Jalen Suggs is not healthy, it's a different conversation. Uh, but I mean, but with him there, he's just a guy that we've never seen Gonzaga have before. You know, we've seen them with kind of the, the big playmaking point guards like a Nigel Williams, Goss. We've seen them with big guys that can take games over. We've seen them with athletic wings. You know, like Corey Kisper. Everybody knows that there is going to be a Corey Kisper on Gonzaga every single year. Everyone knows there's going to be a Drew Timmy on Gonzaga every single year. They've never had a guy that can do the things that Jalen Suggs does. Like, we're, we're used to seeing, like, what, like a Josh Perkins or a Nigel Williams-Goss or, like, a Dan Dickout. Like, those are those, those are the point guards that we're used to seeing out of, um, out of Gonzaga. And, like, all, they're all really good players. You know, they they were all Americans. They're playing professionally, so um, it's not a knock on those guys. But Jalen Suggs is just different. You know, he's a guy that can take one dribble from a standstill from twenty six feet away from the rim and get to the basket and lay up and go through four players. He's the guy that can catch alley oops. He's the guy that's going to be athletic enough to match up with some of the best uh, best league guards in the country. So to me, he's just he he's a difference maker. And if he's healthy and Gonzaga is not. Uh, is not um, dealing with like that that ankle injury the rest of the year. But I really do think they have a chance to be in the same conversation as like 2009 North Carolina, 2012 Kentucky, 2018 Villanova is like one of the greatest college teams that we've seen put together. Wow! Mentioned that Kentucky team. This Kentucky team is not one of them. A one and three start, beaten out by Georgia Tech. The Richmond loss, very experienced Richmond team. Still, you don't anticipate they're going to lose it rough to Richmond. What's your takeaway with Kentucky? Are we overreacting here, and Cal's going to have this team fine by the time we get to February and March, or do you have real concerns? Um, I have real concerns. I think they're going to be fine when we get to February and March. At least I think there's a path to them being fine when we get to February and March. Like, the thing about it is Kentucky always struggles when they have new pieces, right? Their best teams have always had some sort of veteran presence, whether it's like a Darius Miller or someone kind of along those lines. Even the uh, the team in 2015 with all those freshmen had Willie Cauley-Stein as a junior starting. They started sophomores in, in the Harrison Twins in their backcourt. This Kentucky, Kentucky team 
has zero players playing right now that saw any time last year. The, the, the upperclassman that they have is a guy from Wake Forest and a guy that sat the bench at Creighton uh, two years ago before redshirting last year. Um, they, they, all of these freshmen, like all of these new pieces, didn't get in all offseason to try to learn each other. Like the, the, the most important part about being around each other in the summer is not just getting to know each other as players when you're, when you're kind of playing pickup and, um, you know, when you're just out there freely. So, like, the thing about the, the great thing about, like, captain's practices and pickup and all that kind of stuff is, is one, it allows players to try to do things that they've never done before. You know, it's, it's the way that you, if you've been working on a certain move in practice or a certain move in individuals or, like, a step-back jumper, you're never going to be taking that, like, in a normal practice. But if you got get out and pick up in the summer, like, that's where you kind of learn to take the stuff that you've worked on on the practice floor and, it, 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 and like, integrate it into your five-on-five game. They didn't get that, right? They didn't get to learn about what how each other want to play. They didn't get to learn – you know, Devin Askey didn't get the, the normal chance to learn, like, all right, how do I set up B.J. Boston to get the ball where he wants it to be? So that's going to be a problem as well. They also need to learn each other personally because, like, uh, I mean, that's the crazy thing about this. Like, you're not hanging out with each other, like, after practices and after games. Like, you're going back to your room and you're sitting by yourself, right? Because you've got to keep everybody separated. That's the way that you prevent spreads within the locker room. So um, it's – I think that the reason why they're struggling as much as they are is because of that lack of connectedness and that, that newness and that youth that they have. They also have some serious question marks at the point. You know, Davion Mintz is not the answer. Uh, I don't think that Devin Askew is the answer. I think long-term, what you probably need to do is kind of play Terrence, uh, Terrence Clark at the lead guard spot and then allow Davion Mintz to be the shooter off the ball and kind of go with that. So you have kind of a two-point guard look where – you have one guy that can be the, the person that breaks the press and the other guy that can initiate the offense while the well, mint spaces the floor in the half court. I think that's what the answer is long-term. But again, like you have to work through that. You have to learn that. You have to practice that. And they just have not had the opportunity to be able to put that together. And the last thing I'll say is this. Losing to Kansas, like, there's no shame in that, right? Like You lost by three in the Champions Classic. Kansas is 4-1. and one. They're a top-five team in the country right now. Whatever. I don't think Kentucky fans can really be worried about that. Losing to Richmond, when you're a team with a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of new people and you're going up against a team that has guys that have been there for four or five years, guys that are going to be pros, a top-20 team that runs the Princeton offense where you have to really prepare like how to defend that if you've never seen it before, like, okay, it's understandable why a team full of freshmen is going to lose that game, right? Georgia Tech, yes, they're, they're not very good. They also run this weird zone that you have to prepare for, that you have to have experience going against. Like, we've seen the best teams in college basketball struggle with dealing with zone defenses before. And now we're asking a team with a bunch of freshmen that doesn't have any kind of point guard press, uh, presence to deal with that. Like, that's not, that's not an easy ask. So I know I'm making a lot of excuses. Um, I'm not saying that Kentucky's good right now. Kentucky's a very bad basketball team right now. But all things considered – if you put the context of some of these losses into perspective, I don't think they're as bad as they seem on paper. And I think that the path to Kentucky being relevant, uh, like it's, I, I can see the way that they get there. It's going to take a lot of work and it's a big hill to climb, but I can see the path to them getting there. So I'm never going to ever count Coach Cal out. Remember, in 2019, in the Champions Class, we lost by roughly 800 points to Zion Williamson's Duke team. And then... Uh, we all kind of wrote Kentucky off. We said that they weren't going to be very good. People dropped them out of the top 25. 
They ended up being an Elite Eight team. They were the best team in the SEC, and P.J. Washington was the SEC Player of the Year and a top-12 pick in the NBA draft. So never count out Coach Cal's guys. Uh, we've got like uh, 90 seconds left. Uh, if Baylor's the best team in the Big 12, uh, might West Virginia be the second-best team, maybe Texas Tech, or are you going to go back to Kansas? West Virginia, the Gonzaga game, if you like Gonzaga, like I believe you do, and I know Suggs got hurt in that game, um, that was a tight basketball game. West Virginia impressed me. Huggins says this is his best team. Is it? Might they be the second-best team in that conference? Yeah, you know, I think on paper they are. Um, I'm very concerned about the fact that they're, they're – I think their most important player is Oscar Shewe yep. because of everything that he can do defensively. Like, he blows up what other teams want to do offensively because he's six foot nine, 260 pounds block shots. Oh, and he can, like, deny one pass away 45 feet away from the basket. Like, it, it, what he can do defensively is just not replicable by anyone. He also spends basically every single game in foul trouble. Like, it's impossible for them not to foul. So, um I don't know how much I can trust the team where you can't trust the most important player to stay on the floor for like more than 15 minutes, right? So that's a, that's a red flag for me with West Virginia. But like, if you can tell me that, that Shibway is going to find a way to play 30 minutes a game, um, then I like West Virginia. I also love Texas this year. I, I know that mm. they lost, um, lost to Villanova. There's no shame in losing to Villanova. That's a top three team in the country still. Uh, and. Um, you, the, the way that they can space the floor, the fact that Kai Jones and Greg Brown are just such good shooters and so athletic. And then Matt Coleman, man, that dude is an absolute killer. I love what I've seen from that guy so far this season. Senior point guards, athletic wings, floor spacers, you got to love teams like that. All right, two other top ten matchups. Let's just get quick hit on each of them. Creighton, Kansas, 4 o'clock Central Time, and also Illinois Duke. Quick hits on both those games tonight, Rob. Um, Creighton, Kansas, plus three and a half if that game ends up happening. And then give me, uh, give me Illinois, the money line. I just, I'm not, I, I don't think Duke's very good. I think they're as overrated as anything in the country right now. I certainly looked at this past weekend. Good stuff, Rob Doster. Field is 68 is the podcast. That's the uh, Twitter handle as well. We appreciate you coming on, Rob. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Rob Doster, talking a little college basketball. All right, our cut of the day. We're going to go back 40 years to the day. Uh, if you're, 55 plus, maybe you happen to be watching. I was eight months old. I was 22 and was in front of my TV watching. When, when might have been in front of the TV. Don't remember it. <laughs> no, you, you might have been in front of the TV. You might have been. Uh, we'll come back. We'll play that uh, clip for 40 years ago tonight. Monday Night Football is where the country learned uh, this little piece of history. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.0. It's time for the Urology Center of Iowa audio cut of the day. John Smith is on the line, and I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. Frank, indeed it is. Set up your vasectomy appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa at 515-400-3550 or iowauro.com.
back. Well done, Trent Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. 40 years ago today, Howard Cosell, uh, they broke into, obviously, the Patriots and the Dolphins. Boy, the crowd noise just jumps off. Sounds like they were uh, amongst the fans doing the game. Uh, But um, Mark David Chapman? Is that the was that the assassin? You got me. I should have looked. And yeah. Well, uh, gun down Dakota Hotel. Not too many years ago, Cindy and I went away for the weekend to New York. Mm-hmm. Remember, we used to do those things. Oh yeah, <laughs> go yeah. away for the weekend. It was fun. It we was. used to be able to do those. Oh, yeah. long for the old days. Uh, but uh, we, I don't know how we ended up at the Dakota Hotel. It's right across the street from Central Park. Just oh, okay. a beautiful area. And there's a little placard on the uh, or wall plaque, whatever you call them on the side of the uh, apartment where he and his wife lived, and that's where he was uh, gunned down 40 years ago tonight, and Monday Night Football broke into the coverage. Yeah, it just uh, thinking back in the stories that I heard, had a Beatles period. Do kids still have that? It felt like everybody... A Beatles period? Yeah. That, I don't know. I'm that everybody a... gets into the Beatles at some point in their life. I want to say there was a bunch of CDs that were released well, it would have been probably 93 94 something like that yeah. so i got a bunch of them and and really got into it for a couple of years and really enjoyed the beatles felt like everybody yeah. somewhere earlier somewhere later but everybody had that period i wonder if that happens anymore i uh, this i guess i don't know the answer to yeah. that trent maybe i'll ask my son did your stepsons your, did your uh, son no i don't think so i don't think and they're so. a little younger than me uh, so yeah yeah mid 30s for the stepsons my son's uh, 28 so I don't know, um, but I know where their place is in rock and roll history. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's right up there at the top. It in, is, anyways. Yes. So, yeah, 40 years ago today, just uh, crazy. Uh, Howard Cosell, uh, Frank Gifford, Don Meredith, the Monday night football crew broke into, uh, broke into the game to share the uh, tragic news. John Lennon shot outside the Dakota Hotel 40 years ago too night. All right, coming up, we will talk to our friend Eric Heft. We'll get into the uh, Cyclones football and basketball-wise football team. I wonder if have you seen, I don't even know if Matt Campbell was a part of the uh, coaches show last night. How are they handling this week? Just give them a couple of days off, light practices, and then start doing like a normal game week uh, next week at some time. Ramp up a little earlier. Maybe. Plenty of time for the coaches. Yeah, go back. What's different? Self scout, uh-huh. do a little bit of that, right, and away you go. I mean, it works incredibly well for Iowa State. Oh, sure. Well, assuming Oklahoma, West Virginia, the game comes off, and we haven't heard otherwise. No, no. Um, Michigan, Ohio State, back on. Well, maybe, right. maybe. It's right. it's now back into the iffy. Uh, the press conference that Michigan promised to have today with a bunch of the players and Jim Harbaugh has now been postponed. Um, there's a lot of folks that cover both Michigan and Ohio State are in that point that they think it's pretty tenuous at this point. So we'll see if it happens or not. Um, and what's Fox going to do if it doesn't? Because I think they're on site. Oh, I bet. I think Urban and the crew are actually going there. Head to Iowa City. Yeah, why not? It's right? one of the few top 25 you know matchups that, that's of the a weekend. Good point. And who's got that game? FS1. FS1. At 2.30? 2.30. Do they slide that up to 11 if it doesn't happen? Hope not. Like 2.30. You like 2.30? All right, Miller and Condon will be back. Eric Heft will lead off our number two, 1460, 106.3.